we go with another edition of uh, Midday on the Rural Radio Network underway. And uh, ready to pull the ripcord on another edition. Over here is Joe Gangrish. Geronimo. There you go. As I pulled the ripcord. He's flying down (laughs) and uh, with his U.S. flag attached to his leg, coming right down into our venue here, ready to... Enlighten us with all the ag headlines. We Long may she wave. We won't say where the smoke is coming out of <laughs> Okay, there you go. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we've got an open house taking place at Eastern Nebraska Research and Extension Center in Saunders County. Our very own Chad Moyer is there. He has an update for us at 1213. Also, a group of Nebraska teachers focused on agriculture at a recent conference in Missouri. We'll update you there as well. Dewey Nelson talks more on the markets in tomorrow's big acreage and stocks reports with Dean Hefta of Water Street Solutions. That'll be at 1219. Our newsmaker today is Julie Ellingson, Executive Vice President of the North Dakota Stockman's Association, talking about the lack of rain and the need to uh, sell off some cattle in North Dakota. They're still in the grips of that drought in parts of North and South Dakota. So we'll get an update from Susan at 1245. Jesse Harding is on the UNL Water Tour this week. She's going to visit with Kyle Shepard, General Manager of the Encore Project, discussing the possibility of maybe adding wind farms to that project there south of North Platte. Also, the tour had to stop to... uh, Uh, or had a chance to stop and visit uh, around the North Platte area. So she'll have that at 117. All right. Look forward to all those features. Thanks very much, Joe. And we go to the sports desk, and that's Jason Jorgensen. Lots of Major League Baseball action to talk about this time of year. Of course, a lot of folks were pretty excited about the Colorado Rockies for most of this year. They were a big surprise, and now they've dropped eight in a row. Uh, this is what they used to call a June swoon, which would usually hit the Cubs right. or the Royals. <laughs> this time around, the June yeah. swoon for the rest of the it's, season. It's the Rockies now. Uh, their record still looks pretty good, but they need to turn things around because yeah. the Dodgers are really yeah, playing well, and, and, and so are the Diamondbacks. Yeah, who true. who knew? So uh, we'll touch on all of that. Speaking of the Royals, they finished up their series this afternoon. In Detroit. Also, the 50th annual Nebraska Match Play Championship is continuing today in Omaha. We will give you the latest on where those quarterfinal matches set. And how about Tim Tebow? He had a home run yesterday in his first game with his new uh, minor league team. Socked it out to center field. Wow. We'll see. Uh, folks continue to snicker a little bit, but he's had an okay summer. It's all right. We hey. shouldn't be surprised. Uh, this guy's a world class athlete. And uh, trying a different sport. Jordan did it. I don't know why Tebow kept doing it. Jordan struggled with it, too. Also, uh, this week marks the 20th anniversary of Mike Tyson trying to bite off of Vander Holyfield's ear. 20 years? 20 years ago since the chomp. Seems like it was yesterday. So as you you enjoy that piece of uh, jerky today, think of Mike Tyson. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's the voice of Scott Foster at the business desk today. Thanks for that intro, Joe. Appreciate it. Looks like he's got a bad taste in his mouth. Yeah, it really does. Well, so do his finances. So uh, the stocks are down. Technology stocks kind of leading the way, but uh, everybody's sharply down right now. Cisco Systems down. Point and a half, and Alphabet, Google's parent company, down quite a bit. We'll talk about that in the business report coming up, and uh, also a little bit on health care. Why not? All right. All these stories and much more coming your way today on Midday. 
Well, I think we probably have a pretty good beat on what the 4th of July is going to be like. Let's bring in Paul Perkins today with our Ag and Regional Weather brought to you by Kuhlman Repair. Yeah, it looks like as we head towards the 4th, that's when things are really going to start heating up and also probably our rain chances starting to dry up somewhat. A real firecracker-appropriate day. Yeah, exactly. It won't be real hot, but we will be starting to warm up. But we did get some nice rains last night, especially over extreme south-central Nebraska and north-central Kansas, as much as three and a half inches of rain falling in the Red Cloud area, not as much as what they saw in northwest Missouri. In the last 24 hours, there's been locations with nearly nine inches of rain, Albany and Grant City in northwest Missouri with nine inches of rain, approximately. They're still getting rain in northern Missouri at this moment. Yeah, especially to the south of I-70 in northwestern uh, Missouri right now, So, and also some flood advisory in parts of northwest Missouri. So a lot of rain falling that way. Not enough for a lot of us across the area. More thunderstorms, though, are possible both today and tonight. Could see some redevelopment this afternoon right near a warm front that's in eastern Nebraska to the east of Highway 281. Thunderstorms also possible as the cold front starts to dive to the southeast. There is a slight risk of severe storms. Two different areas with this one. One of those areas over central and east Nebraska, mainly to the north of I-80 from Broken Bow to the east. Another area of slight risk of severe storms in Kansas, right near I-70 and points to the south. It was all one big area this morning and then became two different areas. So once again, to the north of I-80 and central and east Nebraska, we have that higher risk of severe storms today. And also along I-70 and points to the south in Kansas. Now this evening and tonight, we could see more thunderstorms develop across the high plains and track to the east. But currently, it looks like the best chance for those thunderstorms to hold together will be across Kansas. A weak front tomorrow moving east could be the focus for a few more thunderstorms. Otherwise, we will see some cooler temperatures tomorrow, the coolest of the next seven days, when we see a lot of our highs only in the upper 70s to the low 80s. A ridge of high pressure begins to expand from the west tomorrow night and Saturday. That will keep it mainly dry for the first part of the weekend. Disturbances dropping down that outside ridge of that high-pressure ridge. Sunday and Monday will bring us another chance of some thunderstorms, and there is that potential. They're talking of some severe weather as we head towards late in the day on Sunday. That high-pressure ridge expands to warm the temperatures even more for early next week. Increasing humidity underneath that dome of high pressure could lead to instability and just some scattered thunderstorm chances. We may see some moisture, but probably not a whole lot when it does rain. In the long term, it's time for that July high-pressure ridge. Chances right now remain high for that warmer-than-normal temperature forecast in Nebraska and Kansas, Independence Day through July 12th. In fact, all of the U.S. is forecast to be warmer than normal, with the exception of the far northwest corner of the U.S. towards Washington. Nebraska and Kansas also likely to see below-normal rainfall the 4th through the 12th. In the regional drought monitor that was released today, there's now abnormal dryness in nearly all of Nebraska. The exceptions are on the bookends in the far west and far east part of Nebraska. There's also abnormal dryness in portions of northern Kansas, one of those areas from Atwood to Norton, and also from another area from Smith Center to Osborne east to Washington to around Manhattan and Kansas. Weather factors driving market trade include more rain for the Midwest and eastern plains, limited rain for the northern plains, and a cooler trend for the short term in the southern plains. A cold front crossing the Midwest and eventually the Mid-Atlantic will generate widespread thunderstorms through Saturday. Another disturbance expected to bring some rain early next week across the nation's midsection. 
Dry weather and heat will overtake the west into south Texas this weekend. The rain across the Midwest mostly welcome, the exception across northern Illinois and some of the eastern Midwest that are already too wet or have some localized flooding issues. Rain for the northern plains looking rather limited the next 10 days, and now there's the potential for heat with that ridge of high pressure next week. Much of the Dakotas right now experiencing some level of drought. The worst is over southwest North Dakota where they have extreme drought. Dry, dry land fields in West Texas also will be mainly dry the next week to 10 days and are already in need of more rain. The Canadian prairies will be watching the position and strength of that ridge of high pressure next week that may lead to the heat, scattered rain, and variable temperatures currently benefiting the developing crops. Well, it might have been nice if we could have parceled out that Missouri precipitation over about three or four states there. Yeah, especially as you head into west and yeah. west central Nebraska, uh, definitely in need of some moisture. The rain we got a few nights ago, probably not going to yeah. do the trick over the next few weeks. I don't mean to say it's been a lot of rain, but I mm-hmm. did see Brandon Bennett's out there buying floaties <laughs> for all of his friends and relatives in northern Missouri. An early Christmas gift. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. This weather brought to you by Coolman Repair. When you need weather anytime, krvn.com. Here's your midday ag news. Joe Gangwish with you on the Rural Radio Network. A continuing surge of biodiesel imports from Argentina into the United States since March. As industry officials in the U.S. considering their legal options, back in April, the U.S. Department of Commerce initiated anti-dumping and countervailing duty investigations aimed at biodiesel imports from Argentina and Indonesia in response to a petition filed by U.S. biodiesel industry interests. In a news release yesterday, the National Biodiesel Board said that Argentina has continued to ramp up those exports despite the launching of the investigation. Ann Steckel is vice president of the Federal Affairs for the NBB. She said in the statement on behalf of NBB's Fair Trade Coalition that the industry will consider all options in response to those actions. The U.S. Senate Committee on Agriculture today voting overwhelmingly to confirm the nomination of Christopher Giancalo as chairman of the U.S. Commodity uh, Futures Trading Commission. He served as acting chairman of CFTC since January, and this paves the way for his nomination to move forward to uh, consideration then on the Senate floor. Over 300 people in attendance at today's open house at the Eastern Nebraska Research and Extension Center in Saunders County. Our very own Chad Moyer is there. So if you think about the innovation that takes place in our... INR Vice Chancellor Mike Bame greeted the crowd this morning and he shared how the new focus there at the center will help drive Nebraska's economic vitality by bringing together college learning research and also extending that information on to citizens. So if you think about the innovation that takes place in our um, our research program, that is largely driven by the needs of producers and, and citizens and ranchers here in the state. So we, we have ideas, we talk with producers, we're out in the field, we see what's going on, we understand their gaps, we go back to the field, the laboratory, NREC, we think about them, we work on them, and then in our partnership with Extension, we really extend that knowledge, that information, we engage those farmers, producers, and citizens. And over time, absolutely, by focusing on the things that matter to our producers, um, we, we will see uh, increase in economic vitality of the state. And Bame says NREC will also play a huge role in educating the 1.2 million people in the Omaha-Lincoln Corridor about modern ag production and where their food comes from. 
The Nebraska Farm Bureau Foundation sent eight Nebraska K-12 teachers to the National Ag in the Classroom Conference. That took place this past week in Kansas City. The annual conference uses workshops, award ceremonies, and tours of ag operations nearby to show general K-12 education teachers as how agriculture can be used effectively in formal classroom instruction. Brandy Lambert is a first-grade teacher in Waverly. She said the the whole conference really inspiring and reaffirmed her belief in the importance of ag in the classroom. You can read more about their experience by going to ruralradio.com. And the Western Governors Association yesterday endorsed the aims of the Endangered Species Act, but they did ask Congress to make changes, including giving states a bigger role and clarifying recovery goals for animals protected by the law. In a statement today, Utah rancher and president of the Public Lands Council, and also Craig Uden, a Nebraska cattle producer and president of NCBA, making a statement on that. Uden said that the Endangered Species Act impacts cattle producers all across the U.S., and he says they're pleased to have been involved in the process from the beginning, and they stand ready to remain engaged with the Western Governors Association and lawmakers moving forward on changes and looking at the Endangered Species Act. We have lots more ag news for you. Just go to the website, including podcasts and video. It's all at ruralradio.com. Welcome back to the program. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. We're joined by Dean Hefta of Water Street Solutions. Dean, we can't say enough about this spring wheat market on the big rally for Minneapolis spring wheat today. Yeah, I mean, it it goes to show you what uh, small markets uh, that are concentrated in their production area and their liquidity can do. So Stats Canada came out, did not help uh, the uh, carryout projection situation in the spring wheat market. Uh, fewer acres than uh, the market was anticipating. So that, again, is feeding this spring wheat situation, which now has finally begun to, looks like, cascade into the rest of the wheats. And we've got a generally higher co- uh, commodity complex across the board. So commodity indexes are higher. Looks like they may have scored a bottom, and we'll see if we can change some of the commodity trends that we've had here the past uh, several weeks. We've had a nice premium built into these wheat markets now. We set ourselves up for an acreage and... Uh, stocks report tomorrow, so a lot can happen before and after that report, can't it? Absolutely. You know, uh, that that can be turning points because it coincides not only with um, getting confirmation of information for the trade, but also on what's going on in weather, and we begin looking at grain fill and July and August weather moving forward. So, you know, you can look back in time and, and see points where that ended up scoring the low in the market. But if we come out with uh, bearish information, obviously that can weigh on the market. But it's going to be hard for corn to go down if we uh, keep moving this wheat complex higher. At the same time, too, with long-term forecasts, we're talking 8 to 14 days, are still signaling that temperatures will be above normal, precipitation in some areas below normal. So if you're a dryland producer, you have to be concerned about the quality of the crop. Yeah, I think the challenge on the weather forecast right now is uh, the outlook for a lot of the Midwest, once you get uh, into July and beyond, is warmer than normal. Uh, But many areas, especially in the east and central part, uh, rain activity. However, it's been a very erratic rain year. Uh, So moisture for a lot of people, giving them some relief coming into the heat. But that doesn't necessarily mean everybody's got that. So look for warm, wet. And that could, if that pattern persists into August, Uh, accelerate and negatively affect grain fill for the corn crop. 
Moving on, as we look at that December corn contract, uh, currently 381.5, is there uh, a figure here where we could uh, at least see a bottom and then start to see a rally in the near term? Yeah, I, I think that, that that low from last Friday is going to be a significant one. We matched some previous lows, uh, and we're kind of kind of stuck down here. We've got uh, pretty good resistance above us. If we could get this December contract closing up above that 386, 387 area, you know, I think that brings hope back to that market. Uh, until then, you're, you're dealing with kind of a underwater market that's uh, got a lot of old crop supplies and a lot of longs uh, in farmers. However, the, the funds are coming into this contract and coming into the second half of summer uh, with a pretty sizable short position in both corn and soybean. So that could provide some support, too, because the crop's not in the bin yet. And I think for marketers that you need to put a floor under these prices probably now, buying those puts? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, the point of time where you have to be ready with your strategy, especially if you're feeling good about your crop prospects, and that's going to be the tough part. Uh, some of these areas, they don't feel great right. uh, about how corn looks, so it's harder to sell when you're underwater and don't have the crop. Thanks. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, the semifinals are set for the 50th annual Nebraska Match Play Championship. UNK golfer Jay Cottom of Hebron has advanced to the semis, but Caleb Badura of Aurora lost in the quarters earlier today. Salvador Perez blasted a big two-run homer, collected three RBIs as the Royals thumped the Tigers last night. Mike Moustakas added a solo homer, and Alex Gordon had one of his best games of the year at the plate as he drove in three to help Kansas City deal Detroit its ninth loss in 11 games. Those two teams will wrap up that three-game series this afternoon. And the Rockies' losing streak is now at eight after the Giants completed a three-game sweep with a 5-3 win last night. Colorado's now five and a half games back the Dodgers in the West. Speaking of the Dodgers, they send Clayton Kershaw to the mound tonight for the finale of their four-game freeway series against the rival Angels. Kershaw is 7-0 with a 2.38 ERA in his last 10 starts. Tim Tebow slugged a two-run homer for the St. Lucie Mets on his first day playing for his new team. Earlier in his first game against Palm Beach, he got his first hit in his second at bat. Former quarterback was promoted Sunday from Class A Columbia. The 29-year-old signed with the Mets in September. Well, former Penn State Athletic Director Tim Curley says he has incurable lung cancer and liver damage. He's asking a judge to modify his sentence for failing to report now-convicted sexual predator Jerry Sandusky to authorities. Pennsylvania newspaper The Century Daily Times reports Curley wants to serve his sentence of 7 to 23 months incarceration on house arrest and work release. A judge earlier this month ordered him to serve the three months of his sentence in jail, followed by four months of house arrest. Five-time Brickyard 400 winner Jeff Gordon will lead the field into the race one more time next month as the pace car driver. Gordon competed in each of the first 23 races on the historic two-and-a-half-mile oval at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which is not far from his childhood home. And Andy Murray has had to pull out of another exhibition match ahead of Wimbledon because of his sore hip. The top-ranked Murray was scheduled to play in London tomorrow, but now says he needs to rest. Wimbledon starts Monday, and Murray is a defending champion and the top seed. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
Good afternoon, Dirk. Authorities say a driver died after the minivan he was driving went out of control and rolled after striking a utility pole in central Nebraska. The crash occurred around 10.50 p.m. on Monday, about two miles west of Lexington. The Dawson County Sheriff's Department says the minivan rolled several times after striking the pole, ejecting the driver. The Sheriff's Department identified the man as 24-year-old Jose Ricardo Velasquez, Jr., who lived in Lexington. A leadership team from the University of Nebraska Medical Center, led by Chancellor Jeffrey Gold, visited Lexington yesterday to meet with health professionals and then moved on to Gothenburg, where they toured the hospital and took part in a community reception. While in Gothenburg, the University of Nebraska Medical Center team displayed the new Simulation in Motion Nebraska truck, which was open for tours. While in Lexington, Dr. Gold stopped into the KRVN studios for an exclusive interview where he talked about the purpose of the Sim Nebraska trucks. Through a collaborative grant with the Helmsley Charitable Trust, we now own and operate four SIM trucks that are stationed in the four corners of the state of Nebraska. And they're advanced simulation laboratories, which we use to help educate and train, build knowledge, build skills in first responders, and to help them better care for patients out in fields in rural counties, and then to be able to most safely transport them to the local critical access hospitals, community hospitals, and then ultimately if they have to be transported to a national center. The four Sim Nebraska trucks are each 44 feet long, dual axle customized trucks where trainers travel in the trucks to provide the training. Nebraska residents have gathered to share their opinions about the proposed Keystone XL pipeline at the State Public Service Commission's third public meeting about the project. The Norfolk Daily News reported that if constructed, the pipeline would carry about 830,000 barrels of tar sand crude oil through Nebraska each day. During the day-long hearing in Norfolk, opponents said that allowing it would be like Nebraska residents selling their souls for a temporary economic gain. They also said it would be a major gamble on the state's valuable underground water supply and residents' futures. Supporters say the project is a huge economic opportunity, particularly for rural areas that have been struggling with low commodity prices and agriculture. Supporters say the risk of water contamination is almost non-existent. And top Republicans have agreed to add $45 billion for battling opioids abuse in their struggling health care bill. But the measure's fate remains uncertain as Republican leaders confront an expanding chorus of GOP detractors. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is hoping the added money will help win over moderate GOP senators like Rob Portman of Ohio and Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia. Their states are among those most battered by the rising death tolls from illegal opioid drug use. Get your news fast and first when you like our Facebook page. In the KRVN News Center, this is Brandon Bennett's. Lack of rain in North Dakota has made things very real for cattlemen. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Julie Allison is North Dakota Stockman's Executive Vice President. She talked to me about the issues happening in North Dakota with lack of rain and the need to sell cattle. You know, unfortunately, the the drought persists in North Dakota as well as some some neighboring states. Um, Every week, the the drought monitor is is updated, and unfortunately, our state has become more orange and red as the weeks have have wore on. Um, Again, with the majority of the state being abnormally dry all the way to extreme drought conditions. And again, um, with, with little moisture on the horizon, it looks like conditions will continue to worsen as, as time goes on. Now, with, with cattlemen, 
we've heard stories and like you know we're just talking the guys are having to sell their cattle there's no hay to feed them no pasture to put them on what are you guys hearing through through the stock growers um, certainly the feed needs for right now and looking forward um, are, are a challenge um, because of uh, because of the lack of moisture we've had um, you know, poor there's poor grass um, there's also poor hay crops and poor crops not only because of lack of moisture but on several areas that they also contended with some frost and so there's this kind of a, a whole series of factors that contributed to some, some poor growth um, across across the state. And unfortunately, some of that is being um, manifested and showcased um, at the weekly at the weekly auction market, um, any, anywhere from 50% to 150% um, of what a normal um, sales numbers would be like for this time of year um, are being realized, especially in the southern part of the state. Had a couple of auction markets that have had it to add, have had to add um, an additional sale to their weekly schedule in order to accommodate the demand. Um, again, leading up to that, sales were going to uh, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning. And so they've added an additional um, day in order to accommodate the needs. We're seeing, um, of course, earlier on, um, older cows and, and, and open animals and such. Um, more recently, those, those culling decisions have gotten deeper into those herds. And we're seeing, um, again, um, people um, selling animals that they probably otherwise would have, would have liked to have retained in their own herds. Well, I heard there's been, been the option for, for haying of road ditches. Is that an option? I know it was in South Dakota. Is it an option for you guys as well in North Dakota? You know, I, I'm not sh- exactly sure about the, that particular detail. There's been a couple of new, of new um, tools that were announced here over the last couple of days um, that are, are available to those that are in eligible counties. Um, those relate to the emergency CRP grazing. Again, in the eligible counties, that was um, authorized through through USDA. Um, some of the, the counties that have um, hit the, the, the dry, um, the, the D3 level, now are qualified for the, the livestock forage program. Again, that pertains to um, reduction in, in uh, grazing land. And there's also been the reactivation of um, a water program through our State Water Commission. Again, that was reactivated that hadn't been used since um, 2006 that also is available for those um, in the, the drought-declared counties. And so those are a couple of the new, the new items on the list. And again, um, depending on the persistence of the drought, um, may or may not qualify for um, some additional programs um, may kick in, again, if this dry weather persists. What do you see as the emotional status uh, of your of your stock growers that you guys are dealing with, especially the younger ones who maybe haven't had a chance to really experience this drought? You know, this has been um, a trying year uh, on many counts. Again, um, particularly as these decisions uh, get, to be, get to be more difficult when um, you have to decide and to remove animals that, that again, you worked for maybe generations to, to build up that genetic line and Again, excited about um, you know those those cows and those heifers and what they mean to um, to your livelihood and what they mean to your your family. Again, all the decisions that go into um, breeding them and to see them again having to be sold because of the feed resources. People are exhausted too. Much of the many of the areas that we're looking at that are dealing with extreme drought also dealt with a very extreme winter. Again, record amounts of snow, um, incredible and prolonged cold, and then top this and this is you know just kind of adds to again that the, the stress that was started already earlier in the season and so um it's trying again tough decisions and again um 
people are looking ahead to what kind of feed reserves they're going to have in order to sustain these herds, not only now for grazing and such, but again, um, moving forward into the fall and the winter, um, particularly after a time where uh, feed resources were depleted at a faster level than normal because of the incredible winter that many of these people experienced. Well, we wish that moisture comes your guys' way in some form or another to help relieve not only the stress to the grower but and the producer out there, but the stress to the livestock as well. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And so that's where the, the universal prayer is for uh, continued moisture. Again, there was um, a couple little pockets that did receive um, some rain over over the weekend, and hopefully there's more where that, where that came from. Of course, the, the deeper we get into the growing season, again, that the impact of that is, is far reduced um, because of the maturity of the grasses and such. Um, but, but certainly any moisture would be appreciated. And, and again, also grateful for all those across the country that have reached out with, with care and concern. My conversation with Julie Ellingson. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Back on the Rural Radio Network, one note, there'll be a hogs and pigs report in about an hour. And uh, that'll be released and give traders an indication of that market setup. With us, Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. And Joe, what about the cattle today? Well, a nice little rally, uh, particularly in the back end. Uh, the nearby June uh, actually finished lower for the day, but let's just call it steady. Uh, a lot of spreading, uh, buying the back, selling the front uh, today, uh, holding uh, holding up the back end. Uh, I think a little bit of uh, positioning uh, uh, because of the uh, big discounts to the back end of the market. Uh, cash seems to be about 119 in that area, what has traded, which hasn't been very much. So there wasn't much to go on. Cutouts at noon were uh, sharply lower once again, not uh, unexpected at this point. And it uh, uh, looks like uh, until we find that spot where the cutouts uh, catch and, and uh, produce a little bit more interest, uh, looks like they're going to stay on the weak side. But uh, uh, because of the discounts, uh, that and uh, uh, supported the market in both the that and the feeders. And the feeders, despite the fact that the corn, well, actually the whole grain complex was higher today. So, um, all in all, a pretty good performance, really. Uh, but uh, actually, the feeders are also a discount to uh, the index over in the hogs. They were the ones that were really the winners uh, and led by uh, the July-August contracts. Uh, as cash continues to be firm and at the cutouts at noon, a little bit lower. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. As a part of the UNL Water Tour, we're able to stop at part of the Encore project. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. With me is Kyle Shepard. He is the general manager of Encorp. Kyle, there might be some interesting changes coming up for you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about them? First and foremost, I think what is going to be in the press the most is that Encorp is exploring wind power and solar power. And the reasons behind that is that the board of directors is interested in increased revenue for the project. Uh, increased property taxes for the county. In doing so, there's a, a strong possibility that we could supplement our operating costs and our bond payments 
and be able to rely less on occupation taxes for the project. And when it comes to maybe supplementing some of this, is there a plan currently that you're looking at or where are things standing right now? Well, right now we sent a request request for proposals out uh, through our engineering firm, HDR, out of Omaha. They contacted uh, 10 to 15 different developers. The next step is for us to go through a public hearing process, and then at the end of July, the board of directors will review the RFPs, request for proposals, and see if uh, one of them fits their needs and goals. When it comes to wind power, there's been a lot of controversy in the state of Nebraska, especially in the western part of the state. When it comes to what you're looking at doing, how many are you looking at adding, or has that been determined yet? It hasn't been determined. It's part of the proposal process for the developer to suggest how many wind towers they can put up and how much power they can sell. Maybe in the neighborhood of 50 to 100 towers would be something that I could envision. It's important to remember that the Encorp property was originally one of the larger ranches in southwestern Nebraska. And in approximately 1980, it was broken out into irrigated farm ground. It was very fragile land. The power companies put in high-power transmission lines through, and they built Gerald Gentleman Station. And it, it might be a pretty good place for wind farm. The transmission lines are there. The ground's been broken up before. There's existing roads. Depending on when you get some of these bids back or proposals back, what would then be the next steps? At the end of July, July 26, we'll have a public open house, educational open house. People can come, make a comment, ask a question. After that open house, the court board will have their their monthly board meeting, and they'll they'll discuss the proposals with HDR. Once they discuss those proposals, the board will look closer to see whether we should go into a contract with one of the developers to move forward with the development. If someone is looking for more information or would like to attend that meeting, where's the best avenue for them to get that at? Uh, would be is a great resource. We have a wind, wind resources tab, renewable resources tab, so people can go in there. They can look at the RFP. They can learn about the open house, and they can find out about our next board meeting. And they can also look at the minutes from the previous meetings that have discussed the, the progress of this project. We've been talking with Kyle Shepard. He's the general manager of NCORP and discussing the possibility of adding wind and solar energy to the facilities. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Well, we had a big day in the grain markets today. Maybe the close wasn't all that advantageous, but anyway, we still finished higher. With us, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. We'll touch on the scary part of this would be, I would guess, the spring wheat market, don't you think? Yeah, that's, so that's what's pushing the wheat complex, and I think we're through first notice day now. So everybody would have either priced or rolled, and now I think the market's free to go. And we saw that this morning with wheat really moving, uh, pushing prices, and, and now it's about shutting off demand for that spring wheat market. Tomorrow's report is probably going to be a little bearish, just given that uh, we're going to be reminded of how much uh, especially on the hard red side, how much supply is around. 
So that's why I'd be very hesitant here to get too bullish right now. But I'm a, I'm a break buyer in the wheat market. Uh, spot Minneapolis wheat especially is at 750. Um, but their price in Canada are above that. I don't think you're going to see the, the, the demand shut off yet. So um, yield isn't known yet. So tomorrow we get the report, and then two weeks later we get a new yield number. So expect fireworks the next three weeks, especially if we get some weather problems. Weather problems or weather concerns will be you know, with us on a daily basis. But tomorrow is an interesting day with the report, and end of week, month, quarter, and maybe even some uh, fiscal year ends. Biggest day of the year, in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe not tomorrow specifically, because before it could come out, be. But I mean, as far as the, men- the stuff you mentioned there, just the confluence of events and the timing of it all, and then you go over the next three to four weeks where you have pollination and heat that's going to be coming. Um, I, I just think it's it could be a spark or it could be a, a pop of a balloon, so to speak. I don't see much on the wheat markets that's going to push it down long term. But I think, like again, that would be the downside risk. Um, for the grain stocks. I don't think corn and beans is that important. On the acreage side, though, if we do get a major surprise in corn and beans, I think we'll see it move. But I'm not, I'm thinking maybe we see a little bit of a pullback in, in the bean, in the corn acres. But speaking to guys that I, I know kind of out east here, where a lot of the acreage would have been slow to get in, they did still plant corn. So a lot of the talk earlier was that we were going to see higher beans. I think we could just see that 90 million, 89 million stay pad. And then, you know, it's about weather, like I said. And I think with beans, that's where that's where the allocation for me would look to be. You know, calls in that in that market could be very valuable. Um, you know, if we get hot here in the next couple of weeks. Thanks, John. John Payne, he is senior marketing analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, and you can check out their website as well, DanielsAgMarketing.com. Corn finishes three to three and three quarters higher. Soybeans one and a half to three and a quarter higher. And then, of course, the big gains in wheat. I'm Dewey Nelson.